All right. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I have Brianna Battles on with me today. So welcome, Brianna. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I want to kind of kick it off by um, asking how you got interested or how you even stumbled upon training pre-postpartum athletes and, um, you know, maybe a little bit about your background and story there. Yeah, so I have been in the fitness industry and strength conditioning realm since my undergrad, which was, you know, like 12 years ago or something like that, 10 years ago, I don't know. Um, I think we stopped coaching after the 10-year mark. So <laughs> I got into, I've been coaching forever. I've been an athlete myself forever, like through college, but then, you know, finding, filling that void after graduating with participating in a lot of different forms of fitness and still trying to you know, be athletic, whether it was triathlon, running or CrossFit or lifting, whatever. Um, and so coaching really resonated with my own personal interests. And it was something that I was, you know, building my career in both in a corporate wellness setting, but also in collegiate athletics. So kind of a broad scope there. Um, and then when I got pregnant with my first son, a little over six years ago, um, you know, there just wasn't a lot of information out there for, I felt like women that were like me and um, had the same interests as me. I didn't really want to scale back all of my training. I wanted to maintain certain levels of fitness because I believe that if I did that during pregnancy, that that would set me up um, for a better, faster, whatever return postpartum. Um, and like motherhood is humbling, right? Like it's humbling in every single way. And that was my first brutal lesson at that, um, which really led me to see the lack of information and quality advice for pregnant and postpartum athletes. And then as well as that, like the people that are working with them, coaches, practitioners, um, trainers, whoever, um, there just was no good information. The only thing that was given out back then was mostly like, listen to your body, do what you've always done. There's no mention of diastasis, of um, like any considerations for the pelvic floor. Um, I didn't know what prolapse was, like incontinence. Like there's so many things that I was just, that really influence a woman's body, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. And I was just clueless to it, um, despite my background and education and experiences. So um, I realized that that was a significant lack um, like there's a significant lack for that kind of support and knowledge for the female athlete community. And I have worked now for the past, um, about five years now trying to fill that void, um, professionally. And then, you know, using my own personal experiences to also, um, complement that journey. Oh yeah. I mean, I can so relate to that. Cause when I started, I also started like 12 years ago and one of my very first clients, I trained her for a wedding and then, um, you know, she got pregnant shortly after. And I remember telling my mom like, Oh, this is cool. My first person I'm working with, you know, is pregnant. My mom's like, do you know what you're doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, I guess. And then she was like, you better like know how to, how to like train them. I'm like, okay. So then I looked and I'm like, there wasn't like, I got an ACE book and that was like the only thing I could find. And the stuff that I did or the stuff that I used to do 12 years ago, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so outdated. But that still seems to be kind of I guess people's fallback option. If you're a trainer, if they don't, um, if they're not exposed to like your message, for instance. Exactly. And it, yeah, it absolutely is still prevalent to either like do what you've always done or like take it really easy or yeah. kind of the other extreme end of the pendulum, which is like, you know, basically you're a badass 
pregnancy isn't an injury sort of thing. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be either of those extremes, but it should exist somewhere in the middle where we're being cognizant of our changing body from the inside out. And then what do the implications of pregnancy and our training have on our body, not just during pregnancy, but our long-term health, fitness, function, um, mental health experiences, everything. So. Yes. And when you say athlete, I want you to kind of define what that means just so people can understand, okay, you know, if they think athlete, they might be thinking like an Olympic athlete. What do you mean when you say athlete? Totally. So, um, obviously it seems like I've really niched down to be like as specific as possible pregnant postpartum athlete, like all those things are specific in and of itself. And then you combine it and it sounds really um, exclusive but I really try to, how I communicate, how I speak, um, my messaging is really for, um, you know, I consider an athlete, like anybody who wants to, like, I don't know, I'm trying, I'm trying to look up, I'm actually looking at a post I recently did on this because I feel like I summarized it better there. Um, but, you know, I can't find it. Um, so I, to me, I guess an athlete is described as, somebody who enjoys working out and the, the spectrum of fitness and interest is really wide. And we, it looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but if a healthy active lifestyle is part of what you enjoy and is part of your, your routine, um, from being a weekend warrior to yoga, to Pilates, to CrossFit, to powerlifting, like whatever it might be, triathlons and running, like you are an athlete. It doesn't have to be this exclusive, like high level situation. It's just, we know that fitness is encouraged during pregnancy. And we know that a lot of moms are really um, motivated for a variety of reasons to, um, you know, to delve into fitness in their postpartum chapter or their motherhood experience. And um, they are athletes. It's just the, the needs and the variations abilities and interests are all what determines, um, you know, what that particular athlete likes to do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and one of the things I think when we think about that, like sometimes we think if you were a previous athlete and you did play multiple sports or, you know, you're playing sports, sometimes we think, um, I guess, and I've seen this too with friends who just like are powering through and doing these hardcore fitness classes all the way up until their due date or even past. And, um, you know, sometimes they have difficulty after having the baby, like getting back into like a routine because your body feels completely different. So what are some tips that you have kind of around that, like almost that athlete brain mentality about getting people to kind of help with that, maybe transition through that period? Yeah, I think it's more of like, uh, having that ability to say, can I do this? Or and like, should I do this? And being able to know the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a question of your worth or your ability. It's just what's the, like, what's my reason for doing it? Like, I love when somebody is like, you know, really kind of pushing some boundaries that maybe I wouldn't typically recommend. Um, whether it's early postpartum or during pregnancy, I'll typically just ask them like, what's your goal? Like, wh- like, what is your, like, why are you doing this? And not to like challenge them, but just really to like have a conversation because I don't think a lot of people really know. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it comes down to fear and um, identity and just this um, unwillingness to adapt because we try to hold on to everything that feels familiar when nothing else about our life and body feels familiar. So it, it is, you know, a great defensive mechanism. 
because we try to hang on to the one thing that we can still do or know or whatever. But um, I think it's, it's being brave enough to look beyond that and really look down the line and knowing that we can't control everything during pregnancy and delivery and postpartum. There's so many variables that influence outcomes. Um, but like exercise is something that we do have control over and our choices surrounding that during pregnancy. Um, and we can do what's in our power to make the adjustments at the appropriate times. And that looks different for everybody. Um, we'll be mindful of our long-term function and fitness, at least in the ways that we can control. Mm. Yeah. And so if someone's listening right now and they're pregnant and they're kind of like, what, what should I do? Do you have any just kind of, I guess, general tips, um, you know, for someone who might be pregnant and they're like, maybe they used to work out, you know, uh, three, four to five times a week and now they're pregnant and they maybe, you know, work out a couple times a week, but they're not sure exactly what to do. Do you have any tips for people who might be in that stage? Yeah. I mean, I have quite a few different guidelines that are probably much a much better resource than me blabbing here. And you can just download those on my website um, that outline a lot of it um, because I, I wish there was like a blanket statement, but I think a lot of it is just being able to adjust your approach overall. Like you're not working out to lose weight. You're not working out to not gain too much weight. You're not trying to push boundaries and having like a super hard workout doesn't mean that it's a, a really good workout. I think a fit pregnancy um, is so glorified that we forget how to have a healthy pregnancy. Um, really being able to dial into um, not being afraid of gaining weight and like feeling like you have to just gain 25 pounds or whatever these arbitrary numbers are, um, because there is no there is no right way to have a healthy pregnancy. It looks different for every single person, no matter how fit you are and healthy you are. Um, it's just something that looks different for everybody. So being willing to adjust the intensity, the volume, the load, um, the, the dynamic, um, I guess like the dynamic efforts in your workout. So that might be a lot of player metrics or running or whatever, like being able to scale back on a lot of those high demand movements on, uh, the part of your body that's taking a hit right now, which is your pelvic floor and your abdominal wall. So you don't need to be doing a ton of abs. You don't need to be doing um, a lot of high impact stuff. At least that's not what I typically recommend um, for the people that I coach and um, just the messaging I put out there. Cause I think again, exercise is something that we can control. And if the goal is um, long-term performance and fitness and enjoyment of different activities, like let's be willing to tone it down during a chapter where our body has other priorities um, and fitness can absolutely complement and should, you know, if it can um, as many different women's pregnancies as possible, but um, how it's approached is, is pretty key. Hmm. And if someone's thinking, okay, I'm going to, maybe they're going to like a workout class and their coach might not be educated in this, um, you know, kind of coming to your resources even as a place where they can maybe even modify themselves during a workout routine. Cause I know I've seen that at different classes that I've been in and I, you know, I personally, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing box jumps, you know, way into my third trimester, but this gal's doing it. And the coach was like, oh, you're doing awesome and celebrating that. And I don't know if she wanted to, or like, I don't know if she had another option because there wasn't one given. And I think sometimes that's where I, that stage where we can maybe even, you know, help ourselves or kind of look online and look for other resources 
that could be more helpful or could give you just, I guess, a different viewpoint of how to work out and how to train during pregnancy and postpartum? Right. You really have to be your own advocate because as much as I would love for every coach to like have gone through my course and have this scope and knowledge and education to make really common sense adjustments, like, you know, sometimes people like in the CrossFit community say, well, I subbed double unders with single unders, but it's like, okay, that's not a modification, right? Like the stimulus remaining the same, maybe the challenge is being adjusted, but the stimulus is still the same. So it's still having the same effect on that part of your body. Um, and so I think you just have to be your own advocate, use a lot of common sense. If you have to second guess what you're doing, you already have your answer. And that is like the voice that um, many people have been trained to ignore, or they get into those class environments and the instructor saying one thing and they're like, Oh, like, I guess I'll just do that. Like, no, you are the boss of your body and have to be able to make um, different adjustments and do it from a place of being really informed. No, oh, I totally, totally agree. And I've seen that too. Um, you know, just in the training and I guess I want to kind of talk a little bit about this because this is something that's been coming up, um, in some of the classes I have, I have a lot of, um, you know, women, younger women who are, you know, having babies and their number one fear is like, you know, getting diastasis recta. And I know that I want you to talk a little bit about this and like tell people, you know, what it is and give people a little bit more background on this. Cause I think this is a topic that, um, is now just such a fear of people now. Totally. And it, it drives me crazy, but I also have to understand that like I have been there before, so I can't totally get like too annoyed by it, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I definitely do because it's so trendy now and there, and it's, we're getting information from really poor resources. So um, when you are like reading through a mommy group and somebody's talking about their diastasis and how they obviously just need to get surgery or, oh my gosh, it's the reason why I have a pooch and it's whatever. Like there's just a lot of mixed information and most of the time it's not even half true. So um, first of all, just check where you're getting your info from. And if you need context and help, like I can help direct you to some people that like have a little bit more context to the information being delivered from an evidence-based uh, like scope. Um, so it's a very normal part of pregnancy. That's how our body grows a baby and how it makes uh, room for the baby. Like we have that fascia there along our midline to be adaptable and resilient to the different demands placed on it. Now we can't prevent diastasis, no matter what your fit mommy blogger tells you, like that's not how this works. So you can do things that maybe mitigate um, the amount of demand and pressure on the center of your abdomen, but really there's not a whole lot that can be done other than adjusting like position, um, that attention you're carrying, um, how you're breathing, things like that can be adjusted. But honestly, like I had two 10 pound babies, there was no way I was going to not have a diastasis no matter what I did. Right. So I think that's where um, the messaging gets a little convoluted um, in the pregnancy realm. And then in the postpartum chapter, uh, diastasis resolves itself for a lot of different women and our bodies change. We are influenced by motherhood, by carrying a baby. That's like a whole, like pregnancy is basically a whole year of your life. If you, especially when you throw in the fourth trimester where you're just adjusting to a baby just on the outside of your body, but still very, very needy dependent upon you being its home and house. Um, so 
pregnancy is really a year and then recovering postpartum is an ongoing process and that timeline looks different for everybody. So while somebody might feel really good at six weeks, their body is still absolutely recovering. And maybe somebody doesn't feel like themselves again until six months, nine months or two years. Like it's just a huge process and breastfeeding influences that as well. So I think we expect these aesthetic changes and functional changes really early on in postpartum. So this is both for diastasis and for pelvic floor health. Um, but really it's, it's a time question and it's a patience and it's knowing that your body is doing a lot of work from the inside out. What are we doing to support it and not stress it? So if we're trying to jump into a lot of exercise, doing our sit-ups to try to get a flat stomach, like that's not going to um, necessarily help the situation. If you know, you're, if we're talking pelvic health and you're cleared it, four weeks from your doctor and you go out on a three mile run, that's not necessarily the order of operations I would recommend either when managing your corn pelvic health in this postpartum chapter. So um, just for a little more context, a diastasis that measures greater than two centimeters is what constitutes a diastasis in the research. Now, we also know that you can have a functional diastasis, which is where the fascia is really, um, is really taut and can respond back. And there's not, it doesn't basically squish in, um, squish in toward your spine when you're feeling your midline. Body fat influences this because you're like, well, I'm six weeks postpartum, everything is squishy, right? Like that, and that's also so normal. Like that's how your belly kind of should feel and does for the majority of people. Um, and so it, it's just knowing that through time and uh, rehab, if you have access to a pelvic floor physical therapist, I would absolutely get it, uh, recommend getting assessed um, by her, both internally and your diastasis. And just know that it's like, it's not as big of a deal as people have made it out to be um, because there's a lot of rehab and adjustments to training that can be done. But I think the biggest thing is just time and quality reintegration into fitness and not just trying to resume activities as normal. I really think that like, we want to say just do these 10 exercises to get a strong core or don't do these 10 exercises to not have a diastasis, but it doesn't work like that. Everybody is so individual, um, but so much of it can be done through just basic progressive overload principles of um, making some adjustments to how we're managing pressure in our, for our abdominal wall and pelvic floor. And then, you know, giving people movements that they like to do. If they're just doing like rehabby movements, for four months, that's not going to necessarily have the carryover into the fitness that they actually want to do. So that's where um, a lot of my work um, with postpartum women comes into play. Mm. And what if someone's thinking, okay, I have, um, you know, maybe they had one and they didn't do any activity for a couple of years. Cause this is what I just actually just came across. And um, her doctor said to, you know, she can get surgery. And then when I checked her and I was like, well, I, I, Honestly, I would not. This is very minute. And, um, you know, and I said, I'm like, have you worked out? She's like, no, I haven't worked out in two years. You know, my baby's two. And I'm like, well, I think, you know, by coming to exercise and, you know, I, I know what I'm doing. So I'll help put you in the right core exercises and, you know, tell you what to monitor. And, um, you know, she's already made improvements. And she was like, I can't believe my doctor's first recommendation was, well, we'll just get surgery for that. And um, like, is that something that you see quite a bit as well? Um, kind of, but a lot of people who, you know, reach out to me already have a little bit of context about who I am and what I do and what yeah. I say about that. I think that, you know, doctors are 
incredible and a huge teammate when it comes to this chapter in our life, but they are not experts on exercise, pelvic health, or our abdominal wall health. They are a first line of defense to refer to the resources that are. Um, and so it's knowing like maybe they can give you some insight in some capacities, but not all capacities. And that's when a referral is really needed. And if it sounds extreme, like get a second opinion. Like there's no reason, like eliminating exercise is not holistic women's health and that's not looking out for her greater interest. And so that's a huge red flag. And we have to be advocates for our body because not everyone is going to like have the perfect team set up to do it for them. Like you just, you have to ask a lot of questions. And if it doesn't resonate with you and if it seems really extreme, that is your first sign to keep asking questions and keep advocating and keep getting more information. Um, and it just, it just doesn't make sense. Women have been having babies for so long and our lifestyle demands are oftentimes way more challenging than our exercise demands. My, if I'm having to like carry my toddler across a soccer field, that's a lot harder than doing like a 10 minute circuit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause that's like controlled and methodical and I can focus there. If I have a, a kicking and screaming 30 pound baby, like I'm getting my ass kicked and like, Ooh, that not good for my core. Like, no, like, come on, like, let's have to really sit and think about our messaging here. It's very hypocritical. And it obviously makes me so mad, <laughs> um, you know, cause we just, it's like, ladies, let's use common sense. Let's advocate for ourselves. Let's like, who are we collecting our information from online? And if our doctor says something that just doesn't sit well, like go to the person who works directly with that concern or consideration, and then they can help you specifically. Your doctor is like broad knowledge, but we have to go down to the specific knowledge and we can get that through physical therapists, um, you know, well-trained coaches. I won't say all trainers and coaches because we know how that goes. Mm -hmm. uh, but really just like the practitioners that are really working with this particular, um, concern and consideration. Mm, yes. Um, and another one that I kind of want to tackle uh, is incontinence issue. Cause that was also something when I kind of asked out to my audience, what was something that they were dealing with? And number one across the board was incontinence. And, um, again, I think that's been, I guess, almost like it's normal, you know, like where, Hey, I, we're going to jump. Okay. Let me go to the bathroom. I'm going to come back. And now I'm ready to do, you know, the jumping activity. And that's just women. And after having babies at any stage in life, you know, and I had a, one of my clients who was, you know, in her fifties and she said, all of a sudden, all of her friends now have incontinence. And she was just like, is, is that normal? She's like, cause I'm the only one of my friends. And they said, I'm not normal. And I'm like, no, that, that shouldn't be the normal. So can you talk a little bit about that? And you know, maybe ways that people can start to bring awareness around incontinence. Yeah. I think just knowing that if you're experiencing incontinence, it's not that like you're necessarily doing something wrong. It's just that, that your system as a whole, like it's almost like there's a missing, there's a missing link there. Like some, like the coordination of the system is not totally working together. And people want to say, Oh, just, I have a weak pelvic floor. Well, that's not always it because a lot of times incontinence is related to an, uh, hypertonic pelvic floor, which means just like a really tight um, kind of continually clenched pelvic floor. Um, and you'll know that um, if you've ever like gone pee before a jumping workout or something or going running, like it's not, doesn't necessarily 
um, eliminate the problem because you'll still probably pee when you're jumping or mm -hmm. like feel like you need to when you're running. So there's always a reserve of urine. Um, so I think it's just, once again, the messaging that we're putting out there and then knowing that um, it's not like necessarily like a surgery thing or anything like that. Uh, first line of defense is pelvic core physical therapy. We rehab every other injury and every other symptom in our body. Um, if I sprain this or have surgery on my ACL, like having a baby is a traumatic event on your body, no matter how like beautiful your birth is, it's still a baby coming out of you. And yet we don't treat that as something to truly rehab from. And so incontinence is sort of connected to that because pregnancy in and of itself is a demand being placed on the body that is not um, a typical state for the body to live in. And so it just presents new challenges and demands and um, hormones, changing structures. So everything is influencing our abdominal wall and pelvic floor during pregnancy. Then a baby comes out of it. And then we're in the postpartum chapter of just trying to like catch up and and get our body back and take care of the baby and do all these things. And our health and needs and recovery is totally dismissed, especially in the United States. So um, I think just knowing that your postpartum protocol, if, if you have the resources to do it, is to go to pelvic floor physical therapy at the very minimum for an assessment. Like it doesn't have to be this five-month commitment, and your physical therapist should not want to see you for that long anyway. She should try to get you out and doing the things that you want to do, and then you just have check-ins. Like, that's the sign of a really good physical therapist to me, is how can I be really efficient with my patient's time mm -hmm. um, and efforts and money and all of that. So just going and even getting um, an assessment one time can make a huge difference in how we're managing our pelvic health and again, just basic progressive overload, um, making adjustments to how we're breathing, what our tendencies are. Are you gripping your butt cheeks all the time? Are you standing in a position where, <coughs> excuse me, um, you're like always kind of like tucked under, or maybe you're always kind of sticking your butt out and like where, like just what is influencing your symptoms? Do you need to strengthen your pelvic floor? Do you need it to learn how to relax more? I don't know that. I can maybe guess but you deserve more than a guess. And you deserve to have that kind of support and feedback because frankly, when our babies need something, when they have gas, when they like are having a hard time nursing, when they need a different swaddle, we are investing so much time and money into taking care of our babies in a lot of different ways in our postpartum chapter. You deserve to be taken care of because this is your one body and your one life, and you deserve to have a little bit more context and information than, oh, you're cleared, like, see uh, your next annual or whatever, you know, like that's not okay. Um, the majority of doctors and midwives and doulas are just not trained in that particular capacity. That is a public floor physical therapist who can give you the guidance and assessment that you really need in that postpartum chapter. Mm, yes, I know. I totally, and I should have went to one and I did not. Um, I mean, I still probably could, but I, um, was just telling a friend who's also a trainer and knows like what to do. And she's also a birth doula. And I was like, you really should go see one. She's like, I know. She's like, why is it so hard for us? You know, if you're a professional to go do the things that you tell other people do. And I'm like, I know, I understand. Cause it's sometimes we're our own worst enemy there. Yeah, but like you have to be able to say like, hey, this is what you can expect at an appointment. And this mm -hmm. is how they communicate. This is what this feels like. And be, I mean, we all 
I mean, if we are women and we're having babies, like we have vaginas and that is a universal thing. You don't have to be pregnant or postpartum to benefit from going to a pelvic floor physical therapist. You can be um, in menopause and there's just so many changes throughout our lifetime that influence our pelvic health that it's like, it really is the very least we can do to bring a little bit more awareness to that part of our body because it's such a taboo topic and there's a lot of shame there. Um, and it just depending on like where you live, how you're raised, like your perception of bot, like of bodies and being able to talk openly about, you know, problems that you're having. Like there's so many people who have lived with like painful sex for so long and they just assume that like, this is just who I am and how it is. Or like they have a hard time putting in a tampon and now, but they hate wearing pads, but who do they talk to about this? I don't know. And then they just deal with it. Um, but there is so much that can be done by just seeking out the right help. And then us as coaches or trainers or practitioners being able to be that first line of defense and say, no, like, here's the person you go to. This is what it's going to be like. And hey, we can help. Maybe like they can help with this or at least set you, um, get you connected with somebody who can. Here's a great urogynecologist that I can recommend you to, to get fitted for a pessary if you feel like a tampon's constantly falling out of your body and you're like, oh, I have prolapse. Like we have a lot of solutions through rehab and basically different, um, different, different tools and props and ways of managing our pelvic health now, but also like on behalf of the rest of our life. Mm, yes. I, that is all I think needed. And, um, I can definitely, cause I'm in the Midwest I can definitely feel that kind of that stigma. And I usually, and I tell people, I'm like, look, you can talk about any of this with me. It's fine. And I have referred many, you know, people out and they didn't, a lot of people didn't even know like this existed. You know, they're like, how come my doctor didn't give this as an option? I'm like, I don't know, but this is, it's a great thing to do, especially right after baby. And I, I've sent many women also in menopause, um, you know, to pelvic floor therapists and I just collect cards and I'm like, here, hopefully this person's in your, you know, insurance network. And, um, uh, one of the things that you had just said with this is prolapse. And that was one that I wanted to kind of circle back to in case someone might've just, again, a lot of people I've talked to, they're like, I don't even know what that is. Can you just kind of briefly tell us a little bit about prolapse, um, what it is? And I mean, again, not that you can necessarily prevent this, but just kind of remove some of that fear and stigma around it. Yeah. So prolapse is just the downward descent of one of your pelvic floor organs, um, your bladder, um, and, uh, rectum, whatever. Like, so it's, it's where you feel like there's a lot of pressure or something's falling out, or maybe you can actually see something, um, you're like, that wasn't there. I don't know what this is. And it's kind of fleshy looking. Um, so it can be feeling like pain, pressure, like a dragging feeling, um, and just kind of an overall can be discomfort in your vagina. And there's, again, a lot of people that are told, oh, it's totally normal. This is just part of, um, this is just part of motherhood and postpartum and it'll get better. Or, you know, I had one person who had like, a pretty significant prolapse and her doctor cleared her to run at five weeks postpartum. And I was like, Oh my God, she can't even walk upstairs right now without being mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And so it was really alarming that like, this is, that was so obvious. She can't walk upstairs and you're clearing her to run. Like where's the disconnect? Where's the automatic referral so that yeah, she can run again 
um, with her prolapse, but she's doing it when her body is a little bit more ready for that kind of dynamic demand. Um, so that's what prolapse is. There is so much help if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I think that's what I have. Um, you can go to a pelvic floor physical therapist and get an assessment so you actually know what you're working with here. And then can a pessary be helpful? For so many people it is. Um, and that's just like a support device that you can insert into your vagina that just gives your pelvic organs like it's like a sports bra. Um, my friend Haley Schaffner talks about that all the time and she is a fantastic resource on all things prolapse. So if you don't follow her and you're managing pop, um, definitely somebody to connect with would be Haley Schaffner. Um, and so it is something I think that there is a lot of fear and misinformation about. If you Google like exercise and prolapse, people will say, don't squat, don't run, don't do this, don't do that. Like so many arbitrary rules, but really we can just like with anything else, we can make a lot of quality adjustments to what we need to do um, in a way that is a little bit more holistic and supportive of all things like being a woman and fitness and function. <clears throat> Perfect. Now I'll make sure I put her um, info in the show notes as well. Um, and then one other thing kind of like, I guess right after this, cause I think this is where some confusion comes into play with people is when the, you know, the doctor gives you the green light at that six week checkup to go work out. Um, I know, well, my doctor knows I'm a trainer, but you know, return safely. But a lot of times, a lot of my clients are like, yeah, they said return to my normal activity, like what I've always been doing. Um, is there anything that you can give like a little insight into what people maybe would want to do instead of jumping back into that hardcore, you know, CrossFit class or like an orange theory class, what could they do instead? Yeah. I mean, I think in a, my perfect world, a doctor would say you're clear to now go get an assessment from a pelvic floor physical therapist and the pelvic floor physical therapist would say, and now you're clear to go work with like a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, like somebody <laughs> who they know for sure understands the needs and demands of a um, postpartum body or, you know, symptoms, injury, et cetera. Um, again, that's my perfect world, but um, I really think that it is, if you don't have that order of operations, seek it out yourself, like make at least one appointment and going back and picking up where you left off is not how we approach anything. Um, it really is just being really slow and mindful and doing what's appropriate for your body in the healing process. And maybe you're like, I don't have any symptoms. I feel pretty good. All is like, life is good. Um, I would really suggest um, kind of kind of second guessing that because you, yeah, while everything might feel good, um, I also want to acknowledge that your body has still gone through a significant process. You're probably not sleeping that great. Um, you're, if you're nursing, you have a lot of concerns and considerations there for just your energy expenditure. Like there's just so many variables that influence this transitional chapter in our life and being really mindful and progressing slowly and not just picking up where you left off is really key. And doing that under the guidance of a coach and practitioner who is qualified to guide that. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I've seen so many and myself and glute, like I gave myself a glute tear postpartum and I was just doing body weight squats and gentle and going slow. And then this probably happened eight weeks postpartum. And I you know, I'm much more ginger about taking people back to exercise because I felt okay until then. And then I was like on the floor after every bowel movement, like 
in pain. And my doctor was like, not hemorrhoids. She's like, I'm pretty sure you have a slight tear. And so in my head, I immediately was like, okay, no lower body. Like if I'm doing anything, it's just minimal upper body. And that took it away. Like she kind of was at a loss of what to do with me. And I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on here. But like having that, again, that awareness and just kind of, um, I mean, it can happen to like anyone. And that's where I think sometimes we go gung ho and we think that we're great. And sometimes our bodies are like, no, 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 slow down. Right. Because there's no such thing as a green light in the postpartum chapter. Everything is like proceed with caution, proceed with yeah. caution. Um, because it takes a lot of time to rebuild. And, you know, if you're having hemorrhoids, that tells me that you're, that you're probably like a lot of pressure, a lot of pressuring down and like pelvic floor is so vulnerable postpartum. Like I can't emphasize that enough. A baby comes out of there and there's a lot of trauma to that area, whether you've torn or not, whether you've had an episiotomy or not, like there's just so much going on there. And we have to be mindful of our bowel health. We have to be mindful of our activity level. We have to be mindful of just our body and the changes that it's been through and then respecting it when we're moving into exercise again, instead of trying to challenge it with high demand, you know, more is better. Like just better is better is better. Yes. Ugh. So if people are listening and they want to know where can they find out more information from you, Brianna? Um, on my website is pretty much a landing page for every single resource course and product that I have. Um, I try to make it as simple as possible for people to get directed to what they need. So I have free resources there. I have programs for athletes, both a pregnancy program, a postpartum program, a if you do and know nothing else, at least watch this online course um, program. And that is, um, and then I also have a bunch of free resources on there. I know we talked about a bit. Um, sorry if you hear my baby crying. <laughs> <laughs> outside still. Um, so a, my bad, uh, right. so I have some free resources. And then I also have my coaching coach course, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism for the coaches and practitioners who want to work with this population. Um, all of that is at briannabattles.com. That's B R I A N N A B A T T L A S.com. And, um, Instagram just at Brianna.battles and my brand Instagram is at pregnant.postpartum.athlete. Perfect. And I'll put all of those in the show notes as well. So I just have one final question for you. Um, when I have guests on, I like to throw out a little weekly challenge and then I have you guys kind of throw out a challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Um, so I think a challenge that for me, you know, is that I've been trying to challenge myself to do is like, what is my reason for doing this right now? What is my reason for wanting to push boundaries? Or what is my reason for not wanting to try this? Like just being able to be like really intuitive and ask myself um, when I'm feeling like, I don't know, like that border of spiraling, like, oh, I need to do this. I need to like, I need to eat better or I need to exercise harder. Or I need to, maybe I just need to rest. Like what is the motivating factor and is it valid or is it like the story that I'm telling myself, you know? So, um, I think just having more of those check-ins, like check in with yourself a couple times a day, um, when it comes to the habits that you're implementing to see if it's really serving what your actual goal is. Uh, if you're pregnant or postpartum, like why am I wanting to keep doing box jumps? Like what, 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 purpose is this serving for where I'm at right now? That's just one example. Um, mm -hmm. Or like, 
if I'm feeling like really hesitant to actually call and make an appointment with a pelvic floor physical therapist? What is it that's holding me back from doing something that I know will serve me? Why can't I get over that? And like really try to have those tough conversations with yourself or at least acknowledge that there might be some blocks there. Mm, I love it. That's a great challenge. I will take that on myself as well. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, so much information. And um, I know I was taking some notes again. And um, if, and I know you do seminars occasionally too. So if um, you have a seminar and Brianna's near you, check her out. She's amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.